The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Now after the wise men had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain, remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah, a voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who are seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Even though we are only a few days away from celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Gospel of Matthew reminds us that we're never too far from the pain and suffering of the world. Some of this paradox that we live with in the Church of both joy and pain is buried in our hymnody, In our hymn of the day, we will sing today, Though my breath fail in death, I will never perish. One of our favorite Christmas carols, What Child Is This?, contains these harsh lyrics. Nails, spears shall pierce him through. The cross be born for me, for you. And even our beloved joy to the world talks about the growth of sin and sorrow and the thorns that infest the ground. A clear reference to the crucifixion. So why do we always have to do this? Why in the church can't we leave well enough alone? Why not just keep celebrating the happy birthday of the baby in Bethlehem? Why can't we just use this first week of Christmas to swaddle the baby Jesus once more and Just tuck him sweetly into the manger. But we don't. 
We never do. In the church, we read today from the Gospel of Matthew about the slaughter of the innocents. Herod's attempt to assure his future kingdom by eliminating any possibilities of a successor with a newborn king. And in his rage, he kills every child in and around Bethlehem, two years or younger. And Rachel, symbolizing every Jewish mother, breaks down and weeps and will not be consoled. Her wailing fills the countryside. And yet, we know that one child has escaped the carnage. One young baby boy has made it out. Having been warned in a dream like another Joseph from the Old Testament, Joseph takes Mary and the baby Jesus to Egypt, and there they wait out the fury of King Herod. Now I suppose we wouldn't have to read this story right after the birth of Christ, but it is the church. And I think what we're trying to do in the church is to say and to always proclaim that life and death are connected. I mentioned on Christmas Day how in the Nicene Creed, we always move right from Christ being born of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. Next sentence, his suffering and crucifixion under Pontius Pilate. Both creeds, both the Apostle and the Nicene Creed, barely miss a beat between the announcement of his birth and his obituary. It's almost as if to say that to be people of faith, we believe they are a piece, a part of each other, two sides of a same coin. One of the things that I have been up to over Advent and Christmas is visiting Lorraine Lombardi at the Grand here in Dublin. She's not a member of our church. She came to us from New Jersey several years ago. She is 99 years old. She'll be 100 in May of 2020. I got to know her because when she was in New Jersey, her pastor was a seminary classmate of mine. So about four years ago, Pastor Frank Watson who plays the bagpipes, and she's always saying how much she likes that her old pastor played the bagpipes, but I don't. I play the tuba, so I have, maybe we should take that over to the Grand. That'd be nice, huh? So Frank called me and asked if we'd be willing to visit Lorraine. She was a lifetime Lutheran. Uh, she had lived in Jersey her whole life, but was moving to Dublin because her son and family was now here. Of course we'll visit, I said. So over the last several years, I've had the privilege of knowing this wonderful, spry, 90-plus-year-old who is always glad to see me and so thankful when I bring her the sacrament. She always says to me, Pastor, you've made my day. But the truth is, she often makes my day. She has amazing energy, this 99-year-old. Until just recently, she was making quilts to to be distributed by Lutheran World Relief. She has the most arthritic hands I have ever seen in my life. And yet she continued to put these quilts together for people in need. (coughs) Excuse me. In the middle of December, uh, Lorraine began to fail. There wasn't an exact diagnosis. Other than when you get to 99, your body starts to shut down some. She returned from Dublin Hospital 
and entered into hospice care at her apartment, surrounded by family and friends. This was on December 20th. She is still hanging in there. On Christmas Day, after our services here, <clears throat> just to stop by and see how she was doing, Sharon and I took one of our poinsettias to her. I know she hadn't bought it, but I stole it, and I gave it to her, okay? She was just over the moon about it. <clears throat> On the way home, I began thinking, isn't this what Christmas is always about? Yes, life and hope and love and promise born in Bethlehem, but death and mortality are never too far away. There are King Herods in this world trying to snuff out life and love. There is cancer that is destroying the life of loved ones, even at Christmas. And there are 99-year-olds who are coming closer to their last days on this earth. And yet Christ is born into all of that. What happened in Bethlehem was not meant just for the good times and smooth sailing. But in fact, Christ was born for anything that this old world can throw our way. If you've been to our home around the holidays, you know that Sharon and I collect nativities. Many of them we've received as gifts over the years. Some we have purchased when on vacation. This year with our travels, we added some nativity sets from Spain, from Greece, in that tiny little alpine country between France and Spain known as Andorra. It's about this big. And it's a tax-free, duty-free zone, by the way. <clears throat> we thought it might be cool to have a nativity set from Andorra because, I mean, who even knows that that country exists? So we uh, scanned the horizon, shopping high and low to find one in Andorra, and we finally found a beautiful nativity set in a cigarette and bottle shop, of all places. But there it was. She had to pull it down from the top of the mantle. We have nativities made of corn husks and porcelain and metal and wood and pottery and alabaster and plastic and glass and recycled paper and lots more of stuff. Some of our nativities have just Mary and Joseph and the child, and some have the full entourage of shepherds and sheep and wise men. We have one that we bought in Montana that has a moose adoring the Christ child. I have one that I bought that's in my office that I got in the West Bank. I actually bought it in Bethlehem. And it has the ugly Israeli separation wall surrounding the manger scene. And on the outside, the wise men who can't get to the Christ child because of the separation wall. You get it? Over the years, because we pack them away and bring them back out, there have been some things that have happened to our manger scenes. In one of them, we've lost the three kings, so we just have two kings for that nativity set. In one, somehow, I don't even know how this happened, we have two baby Jesuses for one nativity set instead of one. It's supposed to be like queen bees, one per hive, right? But for this one, we have two, so we put them out. In another one that we have from Africa, some years ago, a shepherd lost an arm. We think it was our dog, Arthur, who did it. But we put them out every year as we celebrate the birth of Jesus with extra parts or with missing parts. We set them out. One of my favorite nativities is from Latin America. It's hand-painted nativity scene on tile. 
But what is particularly striking about the nativity scene is that it is actually painted on a cross. And at first I thought that was kind of odd. I mean, why would you have a scene of the birth of Christ being played out on an instrument of torture and death? And yet perhaps it's exactly right. Christ's birth and death are not separate events. They are part of the same story of salvation history. He was born to die. He lives so that he's able to suffer and die to save us. I know that having the slaughter of innocent children is a little much, especially after the Buckeye game last night. But it's no mistake that Matthew put this story into his narrative of Christ's life for a purpose. For Matthew, the good news of Christ being born is forever tied also to his death. The birth and death, one is like the other, born into human time. The infinite one takes on the finite. The immortal one takes on mortality. The God of the universe becomes flesh and blood. And because in Jesus Christ God stoops so low, we are able to be raised high. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.